this will end a, um, a series I've had going all summer. I had no idea I'd do this, but it happened. It was going to be one, one Wednesday night turned into, this is lesson number eight, eight things to remember during tough times. So we'll, we'll hit number eight tonight, but let me give you a re- review. The whole reason I started this in June is uh, it looks like we're going into that time period just before Jesus comes back. And uh, it's typically called the tribulation, and it's a time of hardship and difficulty. So as the difficulties and hardships, uh, you know, uh, get stronger, how many know God's made a plan and a way for us? Yes or no? So uh, just an encouragement of of what to do, how to do it, and just how to guide your life during a uh, perhaps tempestuous time. Uh, So uh, it's one thing I have mentioned, so I'm I'm just catching up. And then we'll look at number eight tonight. Tough times. How many know they help root out the self-centeredness out of us? How many need some more work in that area? All of us do. Our character's formed. We've talked about this in the past in the, in the hard places that we endure. And really, if you want to be used by God, you've got to be willing to go through some tough stuff, right? Yes or no? All right. So uh, 1 Peter 5.10, but after you have suffered a little while, uh, Pastor Peter says, the God of all grace who has called you to his eternal glory through Christ Jesus will restore, support, strengthen, and establish you. So uh, we've mentioned seven things. We'll get the eighth one tonight. The first thing we've mentioned about hardship is we are not immune from it. And uh, don't forget Jesus endured two kinds of, of um, sufferings for us. He endured circumstantial sufferings. Then that's all we en- that we endure as well. We have tough times and tough places. Jesus endured that. We will too. But there's another kind of suffering that Jesus endured that we don't have to, and that is our, his substitutional sufferings for us. So Jesus became our sin. Jesus became our sickness. Jesus defeated our enemy for us so that we could be free. Is that good news? So we don't have to, so we don't have to, so when I'm talking about difficulty, challenging, challenges, test trials, I'm not talking about sickness, disease, accidents, things that maim you, yada, yada, yada. Jesus has delivered us if we will walk with him, yes or no? But what we're not immune from are the circumstantial things. Number two, second thing about uh, to remember during tough times, our journey through life is often filled with hardship. John 16, 33, I've told you this, Jesus says, so that you may have peace in me. New Living Translation, here on earth you'll have many trials and sorrows, but take heart, I've overcome the world. Third thing is sometimes God allows us specifically to go through a hard place. And when that happens, understand it's a training time. And, uh, you know, sometimes you may not recognize it uh, as you go into an era of life that just seems like things are topsy-turvy. That's not what you like. You're not where you want to be. The job's not satisfying to you. Family's a challenge to you. Just life circumstances seem to be difficult. And God said, I think twice, at least in the New Testament, God, uh, God mentioned to the Israelites that he treated them just like he Uh, the the mother eagle treats the eaglets that is she knocks them out of the nest their feathered nest where everything's wonderful where she's feeding them and they plummet to the ground only to have her pick them up on their back and repeat this over and over again to to strengthen their their wing muscles so they don't die of starvation because there'll come a point in time they cannot uh that she can't feed them so again god treats us like he like the mother treat eagle treats her young Aren't you glad about that? Maybe yes and maybe no. 
So I just say that because you may be in here and you may be going through an era of time where that's happened. And all of us will at some point in life. Number four, our response determines what the tough times produce in us. And I made this comment many years ago and I I think about it a good bit. What life finds in us determines what life does to us. Isn't that true? So it's not the outward things that defeat us, it's what we have on the inside. We can endure anything on the outside if we have the goods on the inside to make it through. Yes or no? So that's, you know, so, so the question is, do you see the cup half full or do you see the cup half empty? Are you an optimist or are you a pessimist? So, you know, it's the mindset that we have that determines what we see. Are you a victim or a victor? And I've mentioned, and I love this, Philippians uh, chapter, uh, I'm sorry, James chapter 1, 2, Philip's translation. I looked at Philip's and said Philippians. And when all kinds of trials and temptations crowd into your lives, my brothers, don't resent them as intruders, but welcome them as friends. Realize they come to test your faith and produce in you quality of endurance. I love this verse. I found it in the 1980s. And let me say it again for the umpteenth time. When he says, when all kinds of trials, trials and temptations crowd in don't resent them as intruders welcome them as friends come on in come in the door because they're coming to test us and find out what's inside of us so you know if you just change our mindset when you're going through a hard time and usually every week brings a challenge sometimes every day brings a challenge sometimes the day is filled with challenges right and it's a challenge to go to sleep at night because of the daily challenges, right? But, you know, if you just understand that we get through these things and they temper us, they help us, makes all the difference. Number five, God will make a way for you when the test is on. You'll get through it, and that's why we need to stay positive when the negatives hit hard. The enemy, how many know he wants us to look at the negative circumstances? God wants us to look at his word. So we mentioned, and we took a whole time to talk about this in exorbitant detail, and all of this has got a lot about it, but I'm just covering the high spots tonight. Uh, Two ways that we encourage ourselves. God will make a way when the test is on, and we need to keep ourselves encouraged two ways. Uh, God God will allow your friends to encourage you. I remember I was going through probably the toughest test of my life. I've mentioned it several times in my early 30s. And uh, I will call some of the friends I made. I was living in South Carolina at the time. And I would call my friends. I have friends all over the nation from my time in Tulsa, lots of Bible schools there, and I had friends that had moved different parts of the world. And I would call them, and they would call me. And, you know, as much as I wanted to bellyache about my problems, they wouldn't let me, and I'm so glad they didn't. How many know good friends are good for you? And a good friend will tell you what you need to hear, not what you want to hear. So if you've got somebody like that in your life, be nice to that person because they're doing you some great favors, right? Then the other thing that keeps us encouraged is the promises of his word. And, and, uh, and I talked about that, and that's on, the, uh, that's on the website. Number six, tough times can produce positive life change. I love passion translation of Romans 5, 3 through 5, but that's not all. Even in times of trouble, we have joyful confidence knowing that our pressures will develop in us patient endurance, he calls it. Verse 4, patient endurance will refine our character and proven character leads us back to hope. And this hope is not a disappointing fantasy. Because we can now experience the endless love of God cascading 
into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who lives in us. You know, I think it's an unusual thing. Perhaps when you read this, say, why did, why did Paul talk about confidence? He's talking about times of trouble. He's talking about pressures, de- developing things in us. And then he ends by saying, uh, the love of God is cascading in our hearts. What's all that got to do with the love of God? It's, it's the fact that God loves us, that he allows us to go through hardships sometimes. Isn't that encouraging? How many are grateful that your parents kind of put it on you? You're going to brush your teeth. You're, go- you're going to put your pants on. You are going to clean your room. You're going to make your bed. Or you won't get this, this, or this, right? And so God is the same way. If he wasn't that way, then you know, perhaps he doesn't love us. And Hebrews 12, remember, whom the Lord loves, he chastens or he spanks or he gets on and scourges every son or daughter whom he receives. So again, he, he recognizes that here as the love of God. So because we can now experience the endless love of God cascading into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who lives in us. So could we put a twist on challenging times that perhaps the tough time I'm going through is actually God allowing me to develop my faith, allowing me to develop my confidence in the promises of his word, allowing me to uh, walk by faith and, and divorce myself to some degree from my feelings, yes or no? How many think it's important? Sure it is. So again, God's love produces discipline in us. Number seven, in the tough place, we mentioned this last time, it's important to pour out your heart to God. This is something I never did all of my life. Um, God doesn't want us to hold things on the inside. And this is the other side of the coin. I've talked a lot during this series about uh, honoring the word, believing what God's word says, being willing not just to look at your outward circumstances, but to focus on God and focus on his word. But the other part of that is, is you just got to have somebody to talk to. And I'm telling you, there is a person uh, named Jesus and God the Father that you can talk to about every extremity of life and go into exhaustive detail. And I didn't know anything about this when I came to the Lord. I lived 18 years and was in church all of my life because my parents made me go even when I didn't want to go. But I never understood that I could pour my heart out to the Lord. And, you know, my prayer life, you know, was basically now I lay me down to sleep or God is great, God is good. Or when I was in church, you know, the Lord's Prayer, our Father, which art in heaven. But beyond that, there wasn't a whole, lot, a whole lot to my prayer life until I came to Jesus when I was almost 18 and I learned to pour my heart out. That means I, told, I learned to tell God the good, the bad, the ugly, the indifferent, everything that bothers us. He wants us to bring it to him so he can help us deal with it. How many hear me? And that's really important. If I keep it bottled up inside, keep it to myself, I give him nothing to work with. But if I'll go before him and say, Father, let me be real with you. And this has saved my life, I don't know how many times over the years when I've gone through a test or trial, I've opened my heart up and, uh, you know, said, Lord, here's the problem. Here's how I feel. I know I don't go by feelings, but this makes me feel this way. This looks this way. And I'm not sure I know what to do about it. So I'm presenting that to you and I ask you to help me. And then the challenges, the problems that I personally face and the insecurities in life. You see, they come up to the surface when the, when the tough times come, right? And God wants us to take those things to him. And I found myself over the years, many, many times, I mean, literally getting by myself, crying my eyeballs out, saying, God, I need help and I don't know what to do. And you know what you'll find? God is more than compassionate when you'll pour your heart out. If you're, not, if you're a person that keeps things to yourself, I want to urge you, find a place by yourself 
get with the Lord. And, you know, it's awkward if you've never done that. But once you learn how to pour your heart out and tell him every detail and every nuance of what challenges you, what troubles you, what other people are saying, what other people are doing, what you're thinking, things that you want to do, maybe that are wrong. When you pour those kind of things out to the Lord, it's just amazing. It's like the honesty opens up a, a healing balm from heaven. Does that make sense? If you let it. And if you just don't stay there and get right back with the word. God, here's what you said in your word. I feel this way, but you said this in your word. Lord, I'm experiencing this, but you said this in your word. Lord, I think that person is doing this and this, but you said this in your word. You hear what I'm saying? It's just amazing how God will transform your care character if you'll let him so pour your heart out to God then number eight I said all there very quickly so we'll have a few minutes for this one the last number the eighth point eight things to remember during tough times is learn to encourage yourself how many times have you had to encourage yourself it's one thing to have friends I think it's great to have friends and of course um, we need friends and, uh, you know, we should foster friendships, but sometimes there are times in life when there's nobody around, nobody's answering the phone, there's nobody to talk to, nobody's answering their text messages, you send emails, nothing's happening, you made phone calls, ain't nobody there encouraging you, you need to learn to encourage yourself. How many hear me? So life is full of surprises and we got to learn to stay up when the chips are down. So um, this story over the years has always ministered deeply to me. And, of course, it was uh, in David's life when uh, they were out fighting the Amalekites, he and his men. And they came back and the, and the, uh, the enemy had destroyed their, their camp. And all of their families had disappeared. So I'm going to jump right into it. Here is uh, New King James of 1 Samuel 30, 1 through 6. It's in the notes, by the way. Now it happened when David and his men came to Ziklag. On the third day that the Amalekites had invaded the south in Ziklag and attacked Ziklag and burned it with fire. That's, that's the camp. That's where they were staying. <coughs> Excuse me. And had taken captive the women and those who were there from small to great. They did not kill anyone, but carried them in, uh, away and went their way. So David and his men came to the city and there it was burned with fire and their wives, their sons, their daughters had been taken captive. Then David and the people who were with him lifted up their voices and wept until they had no more power to weep. Can you imagine guys weeping? They're upset. Their wives are gone. Their children are gone. I mean, their house is a shambles. It's, it's on fire. What am I going to do? And, uh, and, and verse 5 says, and David's two wives. Now, David should have had one wife. You know, they, they did have uh, multiple wives in the Old Testament, not because it was best, but for some reason God allowed it. You should have one today. Most guys can't handle one. Right? So he had a bunch. Polygamy is frowned on in the scriptures, by the way, but that's not my subject tonight. Anyway, David's two wives, Ahinoam and the Jezreelitess and Abigail, the widow of Nabal, the Carmelite, had been taken captive. Now David was greatly distressed, for the people spoke of stoning him because the soul of all the people was grieved. And every man for his sons and his daughters, but here's it, but David strength, strengthened himself in the Lord his God. Now, when I read that the first time many years ago, how did he do that? How did David... Uh, strengthen himself in the Lord is God. Amplifies it, says this, David encouraged and strengthened himself in the Lord his God. How did he do that? So, you know, attitude again is everything when you're standing 
in a hard place in life. I've got a couple of study Bibles. I want to read what they said about this, uh, about this and then make some comments about what they said. The Life Application Study Bible is a good study Bible that has excellent pastoral notes. If you're looking for a good study Bible, the Life Application Study Bible has some really great notes. I have it in digital form on my iPad. And uh, anyway, the notes that they've annotated to scriptures are just choice. And here's one for this scripture here. It says here, faced with the tragedy of losing their families, David's soldiers began to turn against him and even talked about killing him. Instead of planning a rescue, they looked for someone to blame. But David found his strength in God and began looking for a solution. Watch, instead of a scapegoat, when facing problems, remember that it is useless to look for someone to blame or criticize. Instead, consider how you can help find a solution. So, see, I, I like what they said there. How many know it's really easy to blame shift and blame somebody else? Now, I'll talk about that Sunday when I get back to what I was talking about Sunday. But you know what? It's easy to look for somebody to blame when, when the going gets tough. You know that's not going to solve a problem. What's going to solve a problem is finding out what to do and make things different so you can move forward. And all my life, I've always been that way. What, I, I see what's happened. I can't change what hap- what's happened. But what can I do about it now? You can't look. Pa- if you're looking back to solve a problem, you're looking the wrong way. You got to look forward. Is that true? And so, uh, let me see, New Spirit-Filled Life Bible says this. So instead of looking for a scapegoat, you're looking for solutions. New Spirit-Filled Life Bible, copyright 2002. Jack Hayford was the editor-in-chief of that uh, particular um, study Bible. Though grieving to the point of exhaustion, it says, David used the occasion to strengthen himself in the Lord as God. While the people, and very likely as soldiers, turned uh, the energy of their grief to threats of assassination. So you got, you got two perspectives here. His men were ready to kill him. And, you know, he didn't know what to do. And, you know, it was a hopeless situation. Could you imagine being David and all of your men had turned against you and there's nothing you can do? You can't, you don't know what to do to bring their families back. You don't know what to do to replace the household goods that have been that have been ruined and the houses that have been destroyed. There's nothing you're going to do. And, what, and so David, I love what it says, he encouraged himself in the Lord his God. Instead of turning sour uh, and blaming others, he looked for solutions. And that's something we need to remember. And uh, so what I've done is how do you encourage yourself in the Lord your God? And I want to read some scripture, and it won't take me long to do this. <coughs> uh, but... What I have done is I've always gone back and remembered what God has done. And there's a basis in Scripture for going back and not forgetting the answers to prayer, the times that God has come through for you. Because you can use those things to encourage yourself in the Lord. Perhaps that's what David did when he came back to Ziklag and his men had turned against him. Psalm 103, uh, verses 1 and 2, New Living. Let all that I am praise the Lord with my whole heart. I will praise his holy name. Then verse 2, let all that I I am praise the Lord. May I never forget the good things he's done for me. Isn't that good? Uh, and of course, New King James says, forget not all of his benefits. Don't forget the things that God has done. You can use those to encourage yourself. Psalm 105 verses 1 through 5. Oh, give thanks to the Lord. Call upon his name. 
Make known his deeds among the peoples. Sing to him. Sing psalms to him. Talk of all of his wondrous works. Glory in his holy name. Let the heart of those rejoice that seek the Lord. Seek the Lord in his strength. Seek his face forevermore. Remember his marvelous works which he has done. His wonders and the judgments of his mouth. He didn't say forget what God's done. He said remember what God has done. And then Psalm 42 uh, is an excellent psalm where soul. I mean, where David had to grab his soul and basically say, "Soul, what you doing? Mind, what are you doing? Emotions, you're trying to jerk my chain. You need straighten up." So he starts out verse one. Everybody okay? As the deer pants for the water brooks, so pants my soul for you, oh God. And I want to stop right here. We sing that song as the deer, you know, and. Um, but years ago, back in the '80s, I have a Dake's annotated reference Bible, and Dake. Again, I uh, had a photographic memory and, and put notes by each verse in the Bible. If you don't have one, it's really worth having one. It's just excellent, really. But his note on this uh, particular verse, Psalm 42.1, is the best I've ever read. And I've written it down, and I have it in my Bible. And um, so I wanted to read this to you. And this is Genesis Finnings Dake from Dake's Study Bible, Psalm 42.1. He says, the heart, as the, uh, I think King, King, King James says, as the heart pants, or New King James says, as the deer and other translations say the same. The heart is fond of feeding, feeding near the waters. When hunted, he will take to the rivers, stay submerged as long as his breath permits, then swim downstream in the middle so as not to touch the branches of the trees on either side. He thus prevents the hounds from finding his scent. Sometimes he will stay in the water submerged with only his nose out. Can you see that? Until he's routed in a chase, he becomes faint and longs for the water intensely. So I've often think, when I, every time I sing that song now, I think about that little small, you know, in Africa, when I was in Africa, look, and we, you know, animals everywhere, they had a little small deer called the Dick Dick. And that was this really, really small. And uh, I, this probably, this heart is probably something like that. But they had no, uh, they had no, um, no defense against the enemy. So they jump in the water and submerge themselves, everything but the nose, and they just go downstream. And I like this part when it says, in a chase, he becomes faint and longs for the water intensely. As the deer pants for the water, so my heart pants for you, O God. So, you know, the tougher the challenges get, the more we need to spend time in God's presence. Is that true? And, you know, sometimes we have the tendency to want to not do that and look and take our, take our plane to, pain to some kind of pleasure that we can create with all kinds of things in life. But God wants us to take our pain to him. So let me read Psalm 42. It's really good. This is New Living Translation. It's a little more understandable. It says, as the deer longs for the streams of water, so I long for you, O God. I thirst for God, the living God. When can I go and stand before him? Day and night, I have only tears for food, while my enemies continually taunt me, saying, where is this God of yours? Perhaps we've all had times of life like that. My heart is breaking as I remember how it used to be. You ever been to a period in life where you remember what it was like, what it used to be, where you were, the job you had, the friends you had, the locale you lived in, the house you lived in, everything was wonderful. I've had a few times in my life like that. And I tell you, if the devil can keep your mind on that, he will whip your tail. 
you got you to refuse to go there. You hear me? And I think that way to this day. The older I get, the more important I see that. My best days are not behind me. My best days are ahead of me. And nothing I have done with Jesus is to be compared with what he's going to do. If you think any other way, at some point you're going to fail. Yes or no? Got to get it. So, uh, so he says, uh, my heart is breaking, verse 4, as I remember how it used to be. I walked among the crowd of worshipers, leading a great procession to the house of God, singing for joy and giving thanks amid the sound of a great celebration. There he was with the congregation of the Israelites, and they were all worshiping, you know, perhaps, uh, you know, and, and uh, uh, with the tabernacle, and they uh, had, the, had the tribe of Judah there worshiping, and the priests were singing and, you know, playing their instruments and such, and he just remembered that and so he goes on to say why am I discouraged verse 5 <coughs> excuse me why is my heart so sad I will put my hope in God <coughs> excuse me I will praise him my savior and my God now I'm deeply discouraged but everybody say but when you're having a hard time you need a good but in the middle of your sentence a one t but but I will remember you, even from distant Mount Hermon, the source of the Jordan, from the land of Mount Mizar. I hear the tumult of the raging seas as your waves and surging tides sweep over here. Perhaps the ocean was reminding him of how tumultuous life was at the moment. He says, verse 8, but each day the Lord pours his unfailing love upon me. And through each night I sing his songs, praying to God who gives me life. He gives some insight. Perhaps one of the ways that David encouraged himself was to get along in worship. And I can tell you in my life, no, I, I just to be honest, nobody told me to do this, but when I was young in the Lord, I mean, just, just a few months old in the Lord, you know, I, I was raised in a, a Baptist church and we sang in it from a hymn book, but then when I came to a, a charismatic church and got filled with the Holy Spirit, and, um, and, and we sang these little choruses and, you know, they had the overhead projector and they put it on the, uh, on the screen or whatever. And that was really unusual to me, but I love the little songs. And they were just short little songs, not, not the ones that are so developed like we have today. This is back in the 70s. But, well, I mean, I fell in love with those little songs. I said, well, God, that, that's a good song. Whoever wrote that that's, that, that's your heart. I mean, as the deer, that song was written in the 70s. And I could mention many such. So... I found myself, and, and nobody told me to do it. In fact, our church, they actually printed some of the songs on a little uh, five and a half by eight and a half sheet and give everybody a little sheet when they came in the door. Since there was no internet, and we didn't have all the modern technology we have today, <coughs> and I would take those, and, um, and I would go to my private place in prayer, and I started singing. I like to sing anyway. I encourage you to sing if you can't carry a tune in the bucket. Get rid of the bucket and just sing. You know, just sing. But I don't know why, but I would worship and sing and just praise God. And you know what I found? I started my prayer life that way. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. Enter his courts with praise. If all you do is go in there and talk, sometimes he just wants to hear your heart. How many understand me? Sometimes you just need to pull your heart out. And uh, I don't know how many times, thousands over a period of 47 years, you know, I've just gotten before God and started singing and said, God, I don't feel like it, but I need to sing to you. And I would just be singing, and, and choruses come. And now I've got thousands of songs probably in my repertoire that just come up while I'm, 
while I'm getting ready to pray, and, and I just, um, I actually play a harmonica. Sometimes I'll get my harmonica and play. But you know, if you do that, you know what you'll find out? The Holy Spirit will resonate with the words that you're singing if they're scriptural. How many hear what I'm saying? Perhaps that's what David did here. He would begin to sing, and, uh, and here he's saying he, he did it at night. Uh, so again, he says, but each day the Lord pours his unfailing love upon me, and through each night I, I sing his songs, praying to God who gives me life. Oh God, my rock, I cry. Why have you forgotten me? Why must I wander around in grief, oppressed by my enemies? Now here's what he's doing. He's expressing what he's feeling. There's nothing wrong with going before God and expressing exactly what you're thinking and exactly what you're feeling as long as you don't stay there. If you stay there, you get discouraged, Right? But if you don't stay there, say, God, I need help. Would you help me? And then on the heels of that, just start worshiping. Just start singing, reminding God of his promises, reminding God of his word. And then he said, um, verse 10, their taunts break my bones, speaking of his enemies again. They scoff, where is this God of yours? Why am I discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? I will put my hope in God. I will praise him again, my Savior and my God. So again, when David you know, like here at Ziklag when, when the families were missing and everybody wanted to kill him. You know, he had to find a way to encourage himself. And he just reminded himself who God was and what he had done for him. And that's something every single one of us needs to do on a regular basis. For me, <clears throat> over the years, and um, hmm, trying to think of when I started doing this, I, I, in fact, I, I'll just, a focal point was when I started a church in uh, South Carolina in 1988. That was probably the most difficult, and I've talked about it a lot, time in my life. I was 30 years old. Susan and I had, um, had uh, three children. It was very difficult. All of them were small, under, under age five, and uh, very difficult. And um, nothing was going the way I planned. And, uh, and everything that I didn't want, I had. And so, and then it looked like the best part of my life was behind me. I was only 30, 31, 30, just went on for a few years. And here's what I found myself doing. In fact, in my, while I'm talking to you in my mind's eye, I would go for walks and I like to walk. I like to, I'm active. I like to exercise anyway, but I would go for walks uh, in the afternoon and I can remember many times and, you know, this was a rural community where I started the church, but I would walk down a road from our home and then I found some, they planted tobacco back in the eighties in South Carolina. If you know anything about the South, there were lots of tobacco fields and I worked in tobacco fields when I was a kid. But anyway, the tobacco fields always had dirt roads surrounding them. And I found a dirt road by a tobacco field. And I was surrounded by tobacco when I just walked down that road. And you know what I found myself doing? God, you know, it looks really bleak right now. Nothing I want is happening. Nothing I've asked you to do it looks like it's coming to pass. But I can I remind you that back in 1976, I asked you for this. this is in 1988 89 I said back in 1976 I asked you for this and back in 1978 this happened and you know what you did that uh, back in 1979 I asked you for a wife and look who you gave me wow 
How blessed am I, you know? And, 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 and Lord, I needed finances to do this. And, and Lord, you provided. Lord, I, I needed to sell a car. And Lord, you provided. And, and Lord, I needed a home for my family. We, Susan and I started a family of children. We need a home. And Lord, you made a way for me to have a home. Lord, you healed my body this day and this time and with this situation. Lord, you answered that prayer. Lord, you used me to bless this person and that person and that person. And it looked like I could never come through that, but I did. And by the time I got through all of that, I came up to where I was. I said, well, God, you know what? Me and you, we make a majority. We're going to make it. And so don't forget the good things that God's done in your life. Because those are the things that God will use to encourage you. And now, you know, the longer you live, see, the longer the list gets. And I don't know, I just have this crazy memory. I remember lots of things. So sometimes I go back even now. I go back in the 70s. I go back in the 80s, you know, when Susan lived in Tulsa. I go, go back in my 30s when we started the church. I had a traveling ministry. I actually, while I had a traveling ministry, I started a business. And uh, during the week and all of that, God just answered all kinds of prayer. And, and then we've been here this month. Uh, in fact, this Friday, we'll, we will have been here 29 years. So, you know, I go back all of that and all the things God God's done here at Victory Church since we've been here. I just go back and remind God of all of the things that I've prayed about, all of the things that he's been faithful to do. You'll find in your own life, when you're going through a hard place, go back and don't forget the things that God has done. How many hear what I'm saying? In fact, uh, if you have a tendency not to remember, make a list and put dates. And you know what? When you're having a hard time, Open that book up wherever you put it. Maybe it's a journal. I encourage you to keep a journal. I keep a journal. It's not a diary. It's a journal. And in that journal, I put down what's in my heart. And I've been doing that since January of 1985. Sometimes I'll just go through my journal and say, look at there, God. 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 But you can encourage yourself in the Lord your God just the way that David did. And I'm sure that when David went back to Ziklag and didn't know what to do, and the men were about to kill him. I'm sure one of the things he did besides praising the Lord, reminding him of his promises, is was David said, Lord, you did this. You helped me, you helped me kill that lion with my bare hands. You helped me cure, you helped me uh, you know, defeat that bear that was trying to take the flock. Lord, you protected the flock. You gave us rain. You gave us pasture land. Lord, you helped, you helped me slay Goliath. God, you're going to help me today with this, right? So don't forget what God has done in your life. So the last thing I'll mention as I hurry to a close here is uh, one thing that you can do to encourage yourself in the Lord, and I do this every single day. I have not missed a day praying in the Spirit since September 12th, 1976. Now, because it's so important to me. Now, if you're not baptized in the Holy Spirit, you're missing something. Now, you'll go to heaven without the baptism with the Holy Spirit, but uh, you're going to have a harder time than you would if you had it. So the baptism of the Holy Spirit is the power of God that comes on the believers, the dunamis power of God, explosive power of God that comes inside of you and helps us live the life and helps us understand the word. And then with that comes the prayer life. And for me, I pray in the Spirit every day. One of the benefits, listen, of praying in tongues is it edifies you. In fact, the word edify in the Greek language is the same word for to build a house. Uh, a house is an edifice. You build it up. And so you build your spiritual life up when you're praying in tongues. So now, I, have done, I do this every single day of my life. And now that I pastor the church, we got all these people and all these responsibilities. So how do you do that? Well, I can't do it by myself. But you know, I've got divine helper. And you'll find if you'll take some time every day 
to pray in the Spirit. Sometimes I pray in the Spirit and say, Lord, I need to pray about this, 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 and this, and I don't know what to say. I've exhausted my supply of English words in praying this, but um, I need to pray, and I feel like I'm not done. So I'm going to pray in the Spirit. And if you've been at our prayer meetings, you've heard us pray. I pray with the Spirit, pray with the understanding. But part of praying in the Spirit is just charging your spiritual battery. Let me remind you of 1 Corinthians 14, verse 4. He who speaks in a tongue edifies or builds himself up. But he who prophesies edifies the church. So there is a spiritual building up uh, when you pray in the Spirit. Then Jude, verse 20. But ye, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying. In the Holy Spirit. And don't forget Isaiah 28, 11 and 12. For with stammering lips and another tongue will he speak to this people. To whom he said, this is the rest with which you may cause the weary to rest. And this is the refreshing. Now I get dry mouth when I pray in tongues. And, and I often don't feel it physically when I pray in tongues. I get tired. But there's always a spiritual charge. And I heard, I read uh, ever-increasing faith that was copyright 1924, a stenographer actually, that particular book by Smith Wigglesworth, a stenographer actually took down his, his uh, sermons and, and penned them, and that book came out of that. Well, I read in that book, somebody said, well, uh, Wigglesworth, what do you do? How, how do you minister? He said, all I can tell you is is I go by myself and I build myself up spirit. How, how do you preach the way you do is what they ask. He said, get off by myself and I edify myself. That means he prays in tongues. And then I go out and edify the people. Now, I've been doing that all my life. So before I preach, I spent time today praying in the spirit. Sunday mornings before I minister, I pray in the spirit. Every day, because I have a full plate every day of things to do, what I do, I pray in the Spirit. Anytime I'm ministering to someone, I always pray in the Spirit prior. Every day to start my day, I pray in the Spirit. Why? Because it builds you up. It's not a physical thing. It's a spiritual thing. And friends, if you've got the energy on the inside, you can meet the challenge on the outside. How many hear me? So I done said everything I need to say with that. Keep an encouragement file and don't forget the things that God has done for you. How about come on up, I'm done. Did y'all get something out of this? I want you to close your eyes, just lift your hands up right now. And for the next few minutes, let's just thank, or a couple of minutes anyway, just thank God. Thank Him for what He's done in your life. Father, all of us have testimonies. All of us can remember where we've been, what we've done, challenges we've had. And Lord, with everything inside of us, everybody stand up while you do it, because we're going to go home. <coughs> Lord, with all of our hearts, thank you. Thank you for every answered prayer. Lord, thank you for healing our children. Thank you for delivering us from accidents. Lord, thank you for making a way for us financially. Thank you for using us to minister life to this person, to that person. Lord, thank you for making the impossible possible. For every answered prayer, Lord, as we think about it, as I'm praying out loud, people are thinking about the times, Lord. Think about the last year. What has God done for you this past year? Lord, in my life, Lord, I just want to thank you for settling all of our building stuff here. I ask you for some big things, and you've come through. And here we are. We, are, we have started our 
our academy, Victory Academy. We just want to say thank you. Lord, we have our certificates from the city. We have our building permits all solved and settled. Lord, you've worked miracles with this pond over here that cost us a lot of money. And you provided for us. I just want to say thank you. Thank you. Lord, people have been ministered to this year. We've had people saved, filled with the Holy Spirit. We have people healed all the time. Just want to say thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Lord, you've shown yourself strong in so many ways. Thank you. Thank you. You might, on your way home tonight, want to remind the Lord of his goodness in your life. How many hear me? You know, how can you stay defeated when you think about what he's done, right? You got something? Go for it, bro. All my life you have Come on. been faithful. Yes, All my life you have been so, so good With every breath that I am able Oh, I will sing of the goodness of God All my life you have been faithful All my life you have been so, so good With every breath that I am able Oh, I will sing of the goodness of God In the name of Jesus, I take authority over the demon spirit that's lying to the person that is watching online and telling you your life is through. It's a lie. I break the power of the lie in the name of Jesus. Lord, let the Holy Spirit come on that person. There's a person in here. The enemy's lying to you. Stop listening to the lies. I break the power of deception in Jesus' name. And Lord, let the Spirit of God rise up in each of us. And those two that are particularly praying for, let there be a revolution in their life, a spiritual revolution that drives the enemy out. Those things that you heard when you were young, they were a lie. Somebody was speaking lies about your character and about you. It's not true. The Word of God is true. The love of God is true. His care, His provision, His help, His forgiveness, His love, His mercy and grace. That's what's true in your life. Lord, I ask that the angels of God will surround that person and keep them from harming themselves. And Lord, may they come out of that funk they're in, that mess they're in, in Jesus' name. Let the glory of God come upon them. Let the angel of the Lord encamp us around about them. In Jesus' name, and bring deliverance. You may be here or you may be in, in the watching online. It may be another day besides today. And you know what? You just need Jesus in your life. You know, all of us are sinners. We're born that way, and then we partake of sin when we do selfish deeds. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. You go through your whole life, obtain lots of stuff, get lots of goods, make lots of money, have lots of things. If you die without Jesus, you die with nothing. And ahead of you is the flame, the fire, the darkness, hell. Jesus came to give you life. If you've never given your life to Jesus, I think most people here know the Lord, but you know you may need to pray this prayer. I want to give you an opportunity to pray, particularly those online. 
Would everybody in the room pray with me out loud? You need to give your life to Jesus. You got to repent. Say, you know, I'm done with living the way I've been living. I'm ready to make a change. Jesus can help you. The Holy Spirit will come into your life and, and help you. Pray with me out loud. Heavenly Father, I'm wrong. I've been living wrong. And I ask you to forgive me. Jesus, come into my life. Transform me from darkness to light, from negative to positive, from spiritual death to spiritual life. I give my life to you. Jesus, I ask forgiveness for every sin I've ever committed until today. Transform me inside. Make me a new person. I give my life to you today for the rest of my life. Help me walk with you, Lord Jesus. In Jesus' name. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. Lord, thank you for ministering life to every person that prayed their prayer. If you're online and prayed that prayer, if you'll come make contact with us, info at victorychurchraleigh.com. We've got some great information we'd like to give you. MitchHorton.com is a, is a little website I have. It actually goes with our website too, but uh, I write a blog mo uh, five, four or five days a week and I have a podcast Tuesdays, Thursdays. And then our services, our, our services are on the website. There's always, the word of God is always available. Read your Bible, pray, go find a good church to fellowship in. God will bless your life in an amazing way. If you're in the room and you prayed that and you need further help, come and see me. I'd love to talk with you. Father, as we go tonight, Lord, let the Spirit of God work deeply in each person. Lord, help us not only to encourage ourselves, but to encourage someone else. In Jesus' name, hallelujah.